Oh, hi there. Thanks for clicking the play button. Welcome to Happy Second Confused. I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to the latest podcast by me. Uh, this week's guest... Yeah, there's no preamble. What, what is there to say besides this week's guest is the awesome uh, comedy gold that is Rob Riggle. He's even got a name that sounds like he should be funny, and he is. Uh, Rob Riggle is a, a guy you've seen in dozens of films. He is prolific, he is dependable, and he uh, he's awesome. He stars in the new film Let's Be Cops, which is now out in theaters, but he has done so much more than that, and we talk about uh, his stints on The Daily Show and SNL and his collaborations with Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Um, he is one of the good guys, and someone just needs to get this guy uh, a leading role. We talk about that a little bit. Um, Rob, as I said, is kind of like the, the indispensable comedy support system in so many films, um, and you know he's going to get a shot to be the leading guy one day, and uh, I hope it comes in a project that uh, lets him show all that he can do, because he's awesome. He's great. Uh, he's at the top of, his, uh, of the improv food chain, um, and you will, I know, enjoy this conversation with Rob. Uh, as always, guys, hit me up on Twitter, Joshua Horowitz. Use the hashtag HappySackConfused. And for the love of God, people, spread the word, rate the show, review the show, tell your friends, tell your mother. Does your mother listen to podcasts? Well, she should, and the first one should be happy, sad, confused. Um, Hope you guys enjoy this one. Here he is, Rob Riggle. This is all happening. This is the end, I hear. This is, you're about to leave. You're on your way to the end. That's right. That's right. Well, first, we're going to go party. And then we're going to have that in the schedule. Is it literally say we party? always we always allow a little time for that. It's by, in, by the way, we're, we're, this is happening. The podcast is rolling. Oh, we're on that now. Was on the re- that was on the record. That's you not, just said you're partying. I most certainly did not. I said we are parting. We are leaving. We are parting ways, sir. <laughs> I did not. We know we were recording. That's uh, are we? We're gonna still listen back and we're gonna figure it out. Fine. Leave it to the people. I'm just telling you now. It was we are parting. Uh, I don't want to start on a difficult note, so let's just move on. Uh, it's always good to see you, Rob. It's good to see you, too. You're uh, promoting a very fun new movie, obviously, Let's Be Cops. Thank you, yeah, yeah. That, sir. It's taken you to some interesting places on the publicity tour. Yeah, we've got, got to see a lot of America this summer. You get to throw out pitches everywhere you go now? I've so when you walk into a stadium, do you now expect to throw out the first pitch? A little bit. I'll be honest, a little bit. Um, <laughs> and when I don't throw it out, I'm a little insulted. <laughs> Kind of ruins the night for me. Do you just storm the field now? Well, just... I pout. I just pout. <laughs> I just sit there and, you know, somebody goes, did you see that home run? I'm like, whatever. <laughs> do, you, do you feel like uh, Jeff Bridges stole your thunder by, by doing his bowling thing? Did you see what he did? Oh, Lebowski style. Yeah. That was, I thought that was fabulous. Amazing. That was so good. Yeah. Like... That's a genius move. And I got to tell you, because uh, we, you know, I, I've thrown the pitch out a couple times and I've done it with friends and it's one of those things where you're like, do we do we do something crazy? Right. Do we, you know? Should we throw it into the stands? Should we, you know, something? And it always comes back to no. Just do it right. Just do it. <laughs> just do it like you're supposed to. And I don't know why, but you get real. Ner- and it's because fifty thousand people right. want to see you. But you, unlike up. many actors or filmmakers or whoever gets the honor of doing this, yeah. um, is an athlete. So you, you're confident in your ability to actually get it to home plate or close to home plate, as opposed to someone like. 50 Cent, who is an athlete, I would argue, too. He could kill me, yeah. but throws it straight into the dirt. 
Yeah, I don't understand that throw. I saw it. <laughs> and by the way, don't think that every single person I saw before I threw out a pitch said, don't 50 cent it, man. It's become a verb. Yeah, it's become a verb. Don't 50 cent it. And I'm like, I got it. But um, yeah, the you know, it's like I was saying, that I think all 50,000 people that watch you throw out that pitch, if you throw a good one, they're like, yeah, whatever, let's start the game. Right, you need but something memorable. But if you, if you screw it up, Oh, they're ready to they're ready to pounce. <laughs> they're ready to pounce. So I yeah, Bridges did it right. He bowled it out there and and uh you know, that was a good move. Um I wanna go go down memory lane with you. This is one of those incidents, this is self serving because this is more about me than you. Lay it but, down. But um when I think of you, Rob, for yes. good or for bad, I think of one of the, the, the low points of my career. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. And, I don't, and it has nothing to do with you. You were an innocent bystander. I don't even know if you remember this. You probably don't. But at Movie Awards, MTV Movie Awards, a couple years ago, it was like three or four years ago, it, we were live. It was backstage. Uh, with show, Fassbender. With Michael Fassbender. <laughs> and you ask him about his penis. I do remember this. I do. That was you? I didn't remember that was you. It was me. Oh. Okay, so for context, okay, I've, I've never talked about this publicly. And for the record, by the way, Michael was on the podcast last week, so things are good now. Okay, good. Okay, <laughs> so, good. Because okay. I know he was, uh, well, go ahead. I'll let you tell the story. So, so for the record, yeah. um, Michael obviously was in shame, and there were a lot of jokes at the time about his penis, which was a fair game. He yeah. seemed to, to roll with it at the time. Yeah. And by the time Movie Awards came around, what was unbeknownst to me, frankly, mm -hmm was he was clearly sick of them and was, had moved on. And, yeah. and I get it, I, totally. Yeah. But I didn't know that, Rob, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I made like the last, literally like the last penis joke ever to his face. Yes, I think that you were the, you were the last one, you were the door closing on the penis jokes. And, and we had had some really good times. Like Fastman and I had actually had, I thought some good interviews prior yeah. to that. And that moment I just saw his face fall yeah. and you were just caught in, in in the cross. Well, I because I, I didn't understand what was going on. I don't think I had seen the movie and I just thought it was this, very unusual question about his penis. And I thought, wow, that's an unusual salvo to send out as one of your questions. Um, and then, I'm not the improv artist you are. But I tried friend. to jump in. Didn't I try to jump in and make light of it? You did. You did your because best. Because he, he gave me the look like, Get me out of here. I'm, I'm done with this. You know? this <laughs> and so I think I jumped in and, and I tried to, I, maybe I'm totally wrong in making this up, but I feel like I jumped in there and said something about, oh, we don't, we don't want to talk about that. We want to talk about this. Yeah, something, something like that, yeah. Some, some way of like, Olay, look over here. <laughs> shiny keys, shiny keys. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, yeah. Uh, I do remember. That was... What happened right after, though? Because I went away. Did he, did he say, I'm going to kick the shit out of that guy? No, right? not at all. He actually, he, he laughed it off. Okay. Uh, we had a couple drinks. He was good to go. He was he was very loose that night. Yeah, so no, it was all good. It was all just good. Needs to get that out of my system. Yeah, it has been haunting me. Yeah, and I feel no. better now. Thank you. You're, you you should absolutely feel he he forgot about it within two minutes. Was, I mean, not even maybe even sixty seconds. He was like, all right, moving on. That was really the only reason I wanted you, and you can leave now if you want. <laughs> <laughs> this is this was therapy for you, wasn't it? This I mean, was a that's all this podcast. This was a reconciliation <laughs> of your own soul. Holy cow! You flew me all the way in to New York to reconcile your own. I get it. Uh, Actually, I get it. There's many been many a nights when I've, yeah. I would like to go talk to the people, totally. <laughs> talk to some people, and be like, "Look, I need to tell you something." Uh. What well, we uh, let's let's concentrate on the positive. Uh, again, the, the film is really funny, and it's it's interesting because you know you in in a relatively short period of time in the last like ten years or whatever where you've really been you know. Um, cranking out some great character roles and comedies. You've kind of like, there's the Rob Riggle type, I would argue. Uh -huh. What do you think the Rob Riggle type is? How, how would we define that? Well, 
the Rob Riggle character type. Right. Because I'm I like to think I'm pretty far away in real life of my characters. I, I think I'm a pretty nice guy, I hope. But my characters are pretty brash. Right. They're loud, they're large and in charge and kind of wrong headed. But that's the comedy game that I like to play the most yeah. is arrogant ignorance. You know, which is which is also like uh, arguably the the feral comedy game too. Yeah, right? I think like, so. Yeah, there's a lot. He does that too. He does that a lot. But that and the reason I think we do it is because as an audience member, to me, that's the most fascinating guy to watch. Yeah. I I when someone like that comes on screen, I always want to watch him because I find that hilarious. Yeah. So I, mean, I gravitate towards that, and I like to play that, and I tend to do it pretty well. So I keep getting offers to do things like that. <laughs> so is it exciting when you break out of the douchebag yeah, box yeah. for it's, Let's Be Cops? Absolutely. That's one of the. That's why I took the role. Uh, also, I took the role because I, I love Jake and Damon and wanted to work with them. Yeah. Uh, so it was just so easy. And they were like, "Well, it's more of a you know straight, sincere role." I was like, "That's please give it. To, uh, that's what I want." Yeah. So I was uh, very happy to do it. And it, it's interesting. I think people will be. I've had people come up to me that have seen the movie and say, "I kept waiting for their." You know, for you to right. say something terrible, or you know, for the other shoe to drop, and and it didn't, and they were they were you now maybe they're just putting the shine on me. I don't know, but you know, they said they were pleasantly surprised and entertained. Now and they, they don't know what to expect the next go around. Now you've totally thrown them for a that's loop. That's right. Now I'm like a ghost, man. I'm like a shadow in the night. <laughs> They'll never see me coming. Right now, you should know. As he was saying that, he started to take off his clothes, which I don't understand. Why would you? do Let that? me do this. Let me take off my clothes. <laughs> Let me finish the job. <laughs> Let me sit here and interview me naked. This is actually therapy for me too. It's the only way you feel comfortable. <laughs> that's right. You don't do these on the uh, the late night talk shows. No, I do not. But that's why I'm here. That's <laughs> my podcast. To be fair, it is hot in here. You should get a camera for this podcast so the people could see what's going on. No, this is should. amazing. No, I mean it's a good body, but I hold on. Oh, just get these off. There we go. Oh my god, what is that? I've never seen one. Of, okay. What? You've never seen an angel tattoo by a penis? <laughs> Such a, it's an actual angel from It's a Wonderful Life. It's Clarence. <laughs> specific yeah it's very specific weird Maybe most people don't get that over uh overweight irishman <laughs> angel <laughs> you just keep going through the book but yeah. nope i'm waiting i can find something better something better that's the one that's the one <laughs> and the the artist was like the old clarence i I've got been i've been waiting to do this one for years um do you have any tattoos uh no I just never got around to it. A giant dragon on my back. How, <laughs> Do you? how shocking would that Do, be if I actually? Oh, if you did, it would be the best. And if it's, it had the ego, the wings, like, no, oh, what, what are those? That's Pete's dragon. It's, it's oh. from the cartoon. Oh, a little, okay. Yeah. A little cartoony. Makes more sense. Uh, I just thought maybe if you nope. flex, the nope. wings would, okay. Nope. Nope. okay. Nope. Or like the red dragon uh, tattoo. Do you remember that? In um, uh, uh, Ray Fiennes, this haunts me too. This is all about the things that, uh, that have haunted me over the years. <laughs> he has that weird, like, creepy tattoo because, you know, he's like the serial killer in it. He's turning into a dragon, remember? Oh, no. I, I, I need to see more movies. <laughs> I don't get out enough. You don't enough. have to see the R-rated stuff. <laughs> That's yeah. right. One day. One day. <laughs> um, so, what, I mean, what is the, the... Is there a general criteria for, like... Because you're really prolific. You work a lot, it seems. I try to. Uh, I, I, I try to work hard. I try to... You know, any opportunity I get, I try to make the most of it. Yeah. That's it. You know, so and if, and if I do a good job, then I usually get another job. <laughs> so that's that's my mentality. You know, go out there, do the do the best you can with what you're given, yeah. and then if you do it right, you'll get another chance, and you'll get another chance, and then maybe one of these days, uh, I'll get to lead in a film. Have you done the, the leading role? No, nope. no, what not the not. Fuck people. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, and it's so funny too because people are very sweet and they come up and they go you ought to, you ought to have your own movie man I'm like yes <laughs> yes I would love that 
Hold on a second. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> nope, I'm happy to be over here. Yeah. I mean, it is a good gig. No, don't get me wrong. And, and if this is what I, if I never lead, I'll, I'll still be a very happy man uh, yeah. because I enjoy what I do. So it's not about that per se. Uh, but would I like an opportunity to try? Sure. Anybody would want an opportunity to try. But uh, if I keep working and, and that's all that matters. I'm, I'm happy doing that. So I mean, have you, I'm sure you have thought about this a lot, but like, what is the path? Is it generating your own script that... I probably I think so. I think the only people who ever get anything made for them in Hollywood are are like top of the A list. There's like ten actors, and 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 that includes men and women that um, they come in and they go, "Here's your script. Here's the director. Here's the producer. It's all for you." Anybody else? You you're out there hooking and jabbing. You know, you're out there scraping for whatever you can get. So yeah, I think for me, it's always been that way. You got to create because um, even the characters I get. There's not a whole lot on the page. I generally come in there and improvise a lot right. and, and add myself to it. Um, and usually it fills out the character a little bit more. Right. Um, and then I think people count on that. They count on me to come in and improvise, and then that adds a little more pressure. Yeah. You know? But um, that's fine. I, I've got many ideas. I'm working on things. That, uh, so I'll, I'll build my own ship and see if we can sail it. Do, I mean, do, do you see a difference between actors that have been able to segue? I mean, like... Is there a difference between like what Will and, and Jack Black, et cetera, Zach Galifianakis, and how they hold the screen as a quote unquote leading performer versus people that have made their 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 career in, in character roles? I mean, what what is there is there a difference in your mind, or is it just simply opportunity? And, it's opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't see because all those guys are great character actors too. Yeah. You know, they're 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 comedians. You know, they can. They can, and what, what a lot of people don't realize is a lot of these comedians are could be wonderful dramatic actors. Totally, you know, because they they do have a very sincere side uh, if they can get out of their own way, Actually, you know, and, and allow that, people to see that. Yeah, yeah. Usually, comedy is a defense mechanism because you don't want to let anybody in, right, um, or see that side of you. But if you can get past that, they the comedians that I've seen go out there, and, and unfortunately, the late Robin Williams comes yeah. to mind. Um, you know, they become the most amazing and captivating dramatic actors you'll ever see right um so yeah i know i think it's it's about opportunity yeah yeah i think i think it's also something to be said about just like those performers we just mentioned and the three i mentioned and robin that, that, i mean their comic personas it's all about like vulnerability and just letting it all hang out and then as from a dramatic side it's it's the same challenge it's just mm -hmm. a different side that's right that's right. It's a different kind of scary. Yeah. It's all scary. It's just a different kind <laughs> right. of scary. Yeah. What was the, do you remember the first time you did improv? And was it was Yeah, it, it was terrifying. It was terrifying. It was, uh, um, gosh, 1997. I was down at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater. I took a class. It was my first class. Uh, Ian Roberts, who is the showrunner for Key and Peele right now, yeah. and one of the original Upright Citizens Brigade members, was my teacher. We went in, I sat in the back, I was like, oh, this is a mistake. I, you know, I was just nervous and scared, and I knew I wanted to do it, but I just didn't have the, the balls to do it. I just was yeah. terrified, because um, I'd never really done anything like that. And he goes, all right, we're just gonna jump in, we're just gonna start doing scene work, because I could sit here and talk to you about theory, and I could do uh, we're just gonna, you, the only way you're ever gonna learn is to get up and do. Right. So let's go, you two, get up and do a scene. You two, get up and do a scene, give them a suggestion. And I remember I waited and waited and waited and waited and waited. And I didn't go. And he goes, all right, who hasn't gone? And everybody had gone. And I finally, I, I was, I, you know, I raised my hand. He goes, all right, you. And there was one other person, Donna Fineglass, okay. who is a wonderful comedian. And uh, it was Donna and I. And we got up there and somebody said, 
I don't know what it was, tent or camping or something was the suggestion. And we did a scene and she, it turns out she was almost just like, I think she's a very funny, wonderful lady and she is. And we, we did the scene that killed. It just didn't went great. It just went, and we knew how to play with each other and we just kind of, and we hit it off and it went great. And then that gave me just enough of a spark of confidence to come back. True story. So that was class one. Class two, I took a cab all the way down. It was 14th and 6th mm-hmm. at old, the old Dick Shea Studios. Mm-hmm. I took a cab down there. I got out of the cab and I stood in front of Dick Shea's and I, I chickened out. I said, nah, oh, screw this. It's not good. It's not good. I don't feel right. I'm tired. I'm, you know what? I think I'm a little sick. I'm a little sick. So I got in a cab. I went all the way back to my apartment. I got back to my apartment and I got so mad at myself. I was like, you big pussy. What is your fucking problem? Did you come to New York City to sit in your apartment or did you come here to do this? And I had this, I had to have, I had a pep talk with myself. I had to have a little fight with myself. So then I go, oh, okay, God damn it, I'm going. And then I went back out, got a cab, went all the way back down. Very expensive. It was very expensive. Oh my God. <laughs> it was like, it was a, it was a $60 day. <laughs> And, uh, but I went back down and I went up to class and I did it. And uh, it was the best decision I ever made because I could have talked myself out of it very easily. It, does, does fear ever enter, enter into it at, at this point? Or is it, I mean, because sometimes it, it, it's not going in the right direction. It can go oh, down sure, the wrong path. Oh, sure, sure. Failure is always a part of it. Oh, it's a part of any equation, whether it's business, whether it's comedy, whether it's sports, whether no matter what you do, failure is always going to be out there. And you will fail. It's just how do you respond to that failure? Right. Do you let it beat you? Do you give up? Do you say, all right, that's it? No. You know, you, you, you learn. You get back on. You try it again. You take your lumps. Yeah. You know, I've, I've eaten shit many a time. And uh, you just get up and try again. And you figure out what works and what doesn't. And you don't quit. When did you, when did you hook up with, like, uh, Shear and Hubel for... Um for that troop, when what, what part of your career was that? That that was early. It was yeah. very early. I mean, that would have been probably around ninety nine, uh, ninety eight, I uh, think. Yeah. So that, that was, was some years still before Human Giant, right? Oh yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, Human Giant didn't come around till like two thousand four, two thousand five. Got it. Um, because I got I was on SNL. I got SNL right. in two thousand four, and those guys went on. Because I probably would have. I hope I would have been part of Human Giant if if I hadn't got it. But we they went on and did Human Giant, which was just one of the best sketch shows ever um as a matter of fact i was saying i think the last time i was in this building was when human giant took over yeah yeah I the studio that. yeah so and I, I think i was playing uh a security guard here <laughs> cliff carver cliff carver <laughs> like the security guy there here was some genius sketches i mean shutterbugs still oh shutterbugs was the best um yeah uh was the time travel sketch with paul where he's trying uh, to get crystal pepsi <laughs> i love the one too where my one of my favorites is where hubel cuts off his penis yeah you know <laughs> uh to get attention on media or whatever and then the other guy did something that was not or aziz did something that right. wasn't quite that big of a deal and got way more attention and <laughs> it was just so funny they had such great sketches those guys are the best uh we started a troupe called Respecto Montalban, um, and we've still we still play together today. Yeah. So it's been 15 years, you know, and we still play together today. So w- w- in that in that time frame when you get the SNL opportunity and they're going in a different dire- direction, I mean, there's there's something unique, I guess, about that where you know you have a, a core group of guys that uh, and women sometimes, obviously, who are you know respect each other, encourage each other, and. It, I don't know. Is there a competition too? Is there? Is it a communal spirit when like, okay, Rob got this going. Yep. They've got their thing. Yep. Oh yeah. There. There's. 
Look, everybody wants to succeed, so it's not a matter of that. Everybody wants, you know, to fulfill their dreams of 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 becoming a a, a good actor and a great comedian, and yeah. you know, everybody wants to do that. But the the competition that's not the mindset. I don't think. I think when you come up through improv, competition is probably the mindset when you come up through stand up. Right. But when you come up through improv, you really your mindset is one of ensemble. Uh, and serving the comedy more than serving yourself. Right. So if that means I'm the straight guy, I'm the straight guy. If that means I'm a barking dog in this scene, then I'm a barking dog in this scene. The weirdest, coolest barking dog you've ever heard. It'd be amazing. <laughs> but it, you know, you, it's all about serving the comedy, yeah. and then you 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 get this great uh, community going where we we work together and we grind it out and we go to auditions and we put on shows and we write sketches and we you know we do one a.m. improv jams for nine drunks, but we do it. And and uh, it's wonderful because you do get happy when when one of you makes it or when one of you gets a break or when one of you gets a big gig or something, um, because it, it, it does. It never, ever made me jealous. It never made me go, oh, screw that guy. Right. I'm more talented than he is. It never hit me that way. It always hit me. Hey, if he can do it, I can do it, too. Right. If he just got a big break, then it's just a matter of time before I'll get mine. You know, so then it just it always inspired me. And I think everybody kind of had that mentality. When you when you got SNL, did it feel like this is like I'm set? Is that is that Yeah, that was very stupid because I honestly I was so naive. The first gig I ever got was SNL, which was I held it on such high esteem. It was you know, it was a lifelong dream and then all of a sudden I'm on the show, I'm on the cast. It it and it was the first job I ever got. I was so naive. I thought, I'm done. Suck it. (laughs) Everybody stand by. Because I'm about to bust out, I'm bust about bust out some SNL and then some movies and then forget about it. I'll buy my a, own. A bad opening um, speech to make to your fellow <laughs> cast members. Oh, and nice to meet you too. Yeah, no, well, I think that's how I started. Uh, and then you know, and then you, I'm going to buy an island. That's how it's going to be. And what I didn't realize, and now obviously I do, is there's no finish line in show business, yeah. man. There's 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 one gig, and then when that gig is done, you got to get another gig, and all you can do is hope that you get a good gig. The one that you enjoy, one that you can be proud of, and then do your best while you're there, and then eventually it's going to end. Even if you kill it, even if you're the best cast member SNL ever had, it'll be over in eight years. Yep, it'll be over, and then you're going to move on. And then what are you going to do? Well, you got to find another job, and then you got to find another job. It's all about just keep working. Yeah. Um. So How yeah, do- I was very naive. I when you think I'm done, I landed it. <laughs> boom, game over. There's no game over. How soon did that that turn at SNL in terms of when you realized when they, when they when they fired me? <laughs> I think that's when. No, so wait, you're saying when they said we no longer require your services here? Um, yes, you're free you're to pr- you're free to pursue other opportunities. Then it hit you. Oh, you know what? Maybe this isn't gonna work out. You know, I, I when I got the call that they weren't going to extend my contract for the second year, because um, they never. They always call you personally with good information, right. you know, and then they fax you the bad information. <laughs> I didn't even know I had a fax machine. Yeah, right. yeah they faxed my agent. And uh, I gave myself a good 15-minute pity party. And then I realized, well, I got, you know, I got to do something. I got to go. I got to get back to work. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you don't have much time to, to sit there and lament. You just got to go out and find another job. Yeah. And uh, I think I did. I went and I, I Rob Hubel and I. Uh, we got a deal with NBC. We wrote him a script, a pilot. Um, it didn't go, but you know, like I, that helped a lot. And then, uh, and then about I don't know, nine months later, I got on um, 
Daily Show. Yeah. So did you in that time period? Um, again, this is something I've talked about with, with Sheer, and I can't, frankly can't remember. Did you? Did you ever do anything for McEnroe, the show back then? Yeah, well, I started to, but it was right. It was. It happened right as SNL. That's what I thought. You know, I worked at McEnroe back. Oh, okay. Then. I, I didn't was, know I that. Was, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I, that was like my first like talk show comedy. Okay. Gig. Okay. Uh, and because I remember, I feel like I remember seeing you with like Meredith Walker. Yes, absolutely. And we and we we I had started, and I remember I went to like two meetings, and but it was just about the time. It was that summer right when I got SNL. You missed, you missed the, you dodged a bullet there. That show. <laughs> well, I talked heard to, I heard, I heard about it. Yeah, I heard about it from Sheer and Hughes and those guys, but yeah. what are you going to do? What are you going to do? As yeah. you say, just keep on, keep on going. Just find a new gig. So was, was Daily Show, I mean, it's, it's so starting to me to look at like Daily Show, which seems like such a specific skill set in a way and a very particular kind of uh, destination for comedians or stand-ups or improv people. And yet the people that have come out of it and ha- have had such varied careers where, whether it's Colbert who's killing it as a kind of a talk show host or Carell obviously or you yeah. um, did you see it as that like this is a stepping stone or this is the thing at the time no you never I don't I don't think you can do that and, and be effective you can't do the job you're doing thinking about what what the payoff is going to be right. if there is even going to be a payoff because honestly if I would have gone there and not done well that would have been bad <laughs> So honestly, when I got there, my focus was I want to be the best correspondent I can possibly be. And I had to figure out a lot. You know, I, I'd never it, it sounds silly and sounds rudimentary now, uh, but working off a teleprompter. Right. I'd never worked off a teleprompter ever. Wait, did, did you not know how to read? I, well, I mean, define code define for, read like well, do you understand? like fifth grade level. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, okay. of course. Okay, <laughs> never mind. Sorry, I, I'm sorry, I even brought up. Sorry, sorry. No, but what I didn't realize was the faster you read, the faster they scroll. Right. So then I figured they're going faster. I got to read faster. It, it, it was like this <laughs> snowball going down a hill. It was out of control, yeah. and 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 I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't myself, so I wasn't my best self. So I would go in during the day when the studio was empty, and I would get uh, the the stage manager uh, and uh, and uh, the person who ran the teleprompter and we would i would practice old ones i would just practice 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 and i i I got better in studio and the field work was fine because it was improv right you know and and you're you're dealing with people in the moment you're reacting to what they say you're you know you're coming up with strings of logic that are crazy and you're doing all kinds so that was you know that was fine but you know oddly enough and and it turns out like the, the field stuff is the hardest stuff for most people, mm. and the studio stuff is the easiest stuff. I was a little backwards right. when I started. And then at the end, you know, it got better. The, um, you've obviously participated in a bunch of the, uh, the Will Ferrell, Adam McKay films. Um, and I've been on one or two of those sets, and there's nothing like it to see what Adam does oh. on literally, like I've seen him on a bullhorn just shouting. That's, the the, that's why he's the best. So that's get, why he's the best. So he's literally, I mean, obviously there's a ton of improv, but it's yeah. also a lot of McKay kind of, prompting and oh yeah because he's so he's he's a genius writer he's a genius comedian uh and, and a genius director but he is such a great comedian i think people underestimate his improv talents so yeah it's like having a uh, in the scene like having another comedian right there in your brain because he will he'll bark out you know he'll say some great thing some string of or a thought or an angle of hitting it and you you know i have to laugh sometimes before i can even before I can even try to project what he's saying. Um, and then the greatest joy in life, too, is when you come up with something that makes Will and Adam laugh. 
Because then you feel like part of the team. Then you feel like, oh, okay, I'm a contributor too. I can do this. You know, like they like that. Um, so that always made you feel awesome. What's, what's the craziest suggestion that you can recall that Adam ever threw at you? God. I don't know, but <laughs> I'm sure. They're all insane. They're all I'm old sure old. there's, we did a heart, when, uh, the original pal scene was a heart attack scene. Or, and that was, we made that heart attack up. <laughs> yeah, all that was made up. It's on the DVD. But uh, during that course, we were throwing out all kinds of bizarre stuff. And uh, um, so, I'm, yeah, I'm sure there were some killer suggestions in there. You, you, uh, you've got a, a bunch of cool projects coming up. I wanted to mention one. It's kind of like a, a weird kind of Monty Python reunion in a way, this film that yeah. Terry uh, just directed. Have you already shot your... We already shot, yeah. We already shot. Um, they And they wrapped, I think, you know, back in the beginning of... Back early May. Is that a huge thrill to be? Were you around? Oh my the, gosh! It was it was the thrill of a lifetime uh, to work with Terry Jones. He wrote and direct. He's right. He wrote this and he's directing it, and he couldn't have been more pleasant and kind to me. Um, I show up and first day of shooting, he's like, "Come over to my house for dinner," and I was like, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> Terry Jones, you bet." The guy I've idolized and watched for years and has such a comedy IQ. It's ridiculous. Yes, I will come to dinner with you. And accept your invitation. Exactly. And we, he goes, well, meet me at the pub. So we met at the pub that's close to his house. And we sat there. And he's, he's like a sommelier for, uh, but for ale. For beers. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So he knows. He told, you know, he, we sat there and drank these ales, which have no carbonation in them. So you don't get quite the headache you normally get from a regular beer. Little things. I'm Thanks learning. for the good tip yes. for the audience. That's good. Thanks, Rob. And so I was drinking this ale, and he would explain everything to me, and we would talk about the comedy, we'd talk about the movie, and we would, it was just, it was like a dream come true, getting amazing. to sit and talk to someone like of like him, who's just amazing. And then we went back to his house, and we had wonderful dinner, and I would see him on set, and then working with Simon Pegg, who I love and think I have, I hold him in very high comedy esteem, and he was a lovely man. Uh, Kate Beckinsale, lovely woman. Um, I, I just worked with great, fun people and then got to spend, and that wasn't the only time we did that. I, we did it multiple times uh, yes. where I'd go over to and have beers and drinks with, and dinner with, uh, with Terry. And So yeah, that was, that was definitely a thrill, one of the thrills of my life. Uh, in our last remaining moments, uh, for no discernible reason, I have a uh, Indiana Jones fedora that I fill with random questions over here. Yep. Would you like to pick one or two? Uh, may I? Yeah, well, thanks. Okay. For, you're yes. seem, you seem genuinely interested. Yes. These are, I'm sorry, what are these again? These are random questions. The good ones I've written, the bad ones, some other person just probably dropped them in. Well, here's number one. Okay. Shall we? We don't need to rank them. Or you mean oh, the first one, not yes. like the best one. Yes. Okay. Number one. My first celebrity crush was Linda Carter. Wonder Woman. How could it not be? <laughs> That's a no-brainer. It came immediately she to mind. She was flat out beautiful. Wow. Or probably you, the you only... just went to another place. What just happened? Well... Why are you taking your clothes off again? <laughs> Getting a little shaky. <laughs> I, I was in love with her. I probably still am. If she walked in here right now, I'd get all. She's working here. I right get all. Now. I get crazy. all sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. She. She was definitely, definitely, without a question. She was gorgeous. Yeah. And then, of course, the, the angels were up there. In in that vein, I, I think of like a, a what was it? Uh, Aaron Gray from. Uh, oh, Buck Rogers. Buck Rogers. Well, that God. Can I say it? That goddamn suit she had on was ludicrous. It was absurd. It was skin tight. It, it was, was skin tight. Yeah, no one had a crush on her. <laughs> it just got awkward. Two dudes talking about Two dudes Aaron talking Gray's about... skin-tight leotard. <laughs> wow. Let's class it up. 
Okay, class it up. Here we go. Try I'm going to go deep try. into the... Here we go. He's not reaching into the hat anymore. I don't know where his hand is. <laughs> the worst nightmare I ever had was... Oh, this is good. Um, worst nightmare I ever had. Like, for real? Yeah. Like, like do, you, uh, do you have recurring nightmares? Do you have... You know, the... the and I, 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 want, I would love to know why, but I've had, I've had this dream that I've, I've had it a couple times, enough that I sometimes still think it's real. But I, Go on. <laughs> I, I always find myself in school running around, and I I've, haven't gone to, to class all uh, semester. You've been a truant. And I keep thinking, I haven't gone and how am I going to pass? And I haven't gone to this this class that I needed to go to, and yet I, it's finals day, and I'm almost afraid to go into the classroom because I don't want the teacher to see me because she's going to know. Right. And and I've had that a couple times. Dude, uh, that's what not, does that mean? That's I'm a, sure that's an easy one to decipher. Not for me, not for the small mind. But the, what's interesting thing to, to me about that is, I, I would guess that you were you were a larger guy in school. You were probably not the one that was like, when you see me, I feel like it's inevitable. You're going to hit me. You're going to beat me up. Oh, like, you, you got that wrong, my friend. Really? Oh yeah. I mean, I didn't hit puberty till late in life. I was, that's, I think where I got my comedy from was because I spent my junior high years, my middle school years running for my life because I was prepubescent while all my friends went through puberty and had mustaches and became men. I became, I stayed the same height as I was in sixth grade. So basically everybody, was, everybody went and grew and I stayed a runt. And the only thing that saved my life was my mouth and my sense of humor. And it kept him at bay until my sophomore year. Okay. Don't yell. I have to yell because it upsets me. So I think we just found the root cause of your nightmare. You, you're still that little boy who is scared of the guys with the mustaches that are taller than you. Oh my God. This is deep. Rob? I got a long flight home. I got to tell you, I got a lot to think about. I got a lot to think about. I think that's where we should end this today. Uh, we've solved all your problems, Rob. <laughs> Congratulations on Let's Be Cops. And uh, it's always good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too, man.